This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined at the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, where we normally discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. But we have a lot of retailers across the country and the globe that are impacted by the COVID-19 virus right as we speak. So as a result, there's a lot of closures and fear that's going on across the country that we wanted to talk about the COVID-19 virus in relation to the Canadian retail industry for this episode. And we're currently recording on March the 16th, 2020. And we wanted to quickly mention one of our advertisers, Oberfeld Snowcap, as they're supporting the podcast for the week. And we're going to have a brief message from them later on in the podcast. So thanks for joining me for this, Craig. Hello, everyone. So Craig, there's a lot of scared people out there. There's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of people working in retail that are finding out that they are temporarily going to be closing these doors. Um, People who aren't even in the retail environment are getting emails regularly that their gym is shutting down, or let's say the mall is, is changing their hours, and here's the extra precautions that they're taking to address the risk of um, COVID-19, um, or at least reduce it. So Craig, uh, have you seen stuff like this, like as far as closures and and s- like swift and significant action that a lot of these retailers and landlords are doing right now? Yeah, I mean, I don't think we took COVID-19 or it was formally called the coronavirus. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we took it too seriously to start. Uh, I don't think I did, to be honest. Uh, um, now we're seeing uh, in, you know, in the last few days this incredible, I've never seen yeah. it before. I don't think any of us have, you no. know, closure of, of stores and restaurants, uh, shopping centers reducing their hours. Um, I mean, you know, certainly in my lifetime, this is unprecedented. Uh, and it is an interesting time that is very uncertain for a lot of people. But like going beyond just the retail vertical or industry, what is your perception at the tone at the top, like at the top of the Canadian bandwagon on the severity of this? Um, you know, from the top down, I mean, you know, literally our prime minister is in isolation. His wife, unfortunately, tested positive for uh, COVID-19. So uh, this is, uh, you know, a really, you know, an unprecedented time, you know, in, in recent history in Canada uh, for retail and otherwise. And when you take a look at what happened in China, like leading up to the pandemic level that we're at right now, like there's got to be quite a psychological impact on the Canadian consumer rolling into where we're at right now. So what's your thought on what they're thinking? Well, the Canadian shopper, I think, is confused. I mean, we saw panic buying for the last few weeks where, you know, toilet paper ran out in stores across the country. Yes. Uh, hand sanitizer went, you know, just as fast, if not even faster. Uh, we've seen this panic buying. Um, you know, I've been in a few grocery stores uh, in a couple of places in the country. I've been traveling recently and, um, you know, they're cleared out in certain areas. There's no bread in the uh, local shoppers drug market. I was just at, uh, you know, the canned goods were, were fairly minimal and this has really disrupted the supply chain right now. Uh, you know, when retail is, uh, uh, you know, in some cases struggling and we've seen a lot of stores close over the last couple of days as well. And they've announced it themselves and their temporary closures. Well, it's interesting because when I was going getting groceries just on the weekend at uh, Save on Food in Vancouver, the weirdest thing that I saw people stocking up on was the family-sized buckets of ice cream. 
Huh. And I'm like, you know, yeah, toilet paper is weird. Everyone is like pointing out how weird that one may be. But ice cream? Seriously, folks. Like it's a respiratory illness and you're running for the ice cream aisle. Like, I, okay, I, I understand that we may be like quarantined for two weeks at a shot and where we may be binge watching Netflix or something. So let's get the emergency like, you know, chunky monkey going. Yeah, yeah. I, I just saw a bunch of ice cream in the store where I was shopping. At, so not everybody's doing it, I guess. Uh, I didn't want to pick any up because I think studies have shown that, you know, sugar can reduce the immune system for a time period. And I'll just avoid that for a little while here. I want to stay healthy. I live in a building with a lot of seniors. <laughs> but like as far as people, like what I would see is, is if you can't get to the store to buy stuff, that people are going to be like pulling back on their purchases. Is that kind of like the obvious path? And is that going to continue post um, COVID-19 when it resolves? That's a good question. I mean, yes, I think people are going to be pulling back on certain purchases like fashion. I mean, given that many of us are, you know, working from seeing home. each other. Yeah, we're seeing each other. I mean, there's going to be less of a need to buy clothing, uh, you know, yeah. or at least people will be working from home, maybe in their sweatpants or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, there may be less demand there. I mean, obviously grocery, uh, that demand is there. And I, I think we've seen a spike in, you know, necessities. So there's certain retailers, you know, that are selling these things that are, you know, they, they do really stand to gain uh, from this short term. Long term is a whole nother story altogether. But um, I don't know your local jewelry retailer. I don't know what type of, you know, demand there's going to be uh, at this moment. I'm not sure if people are thinking about buying those sorts of things right now. I think that the consumer is very, very distracted with what's happening here, you know, which yeah. which is unfortunate. I mean, um, we, we only have what a bit over 400 cases uh, of COVID-19 in Canada right now. But I do suppose it is time to take it seriously. You know, I, I we talked about doing this podcast, uh, you know, last week, and I was going to come up with positive messages and saying, you know, it's not that bad, but you know, I'm changing my tune a little bit here now. Mm. Well, and a lot of people are wondering, like, what's going to happen? And well, we don't have to look too far. Like, we just have to look over to what's happening in China because they are coming to the end, hopefully, of the whole COVID nineteen situation for them. So. Like, like they are shutting down or they did shut down virtually everything right now. They've announced that they're opening up like the Apple stores and all that kind of stuff. But any guesses on what mm -hmm. purchasing may look like after COVID-19? Yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, at some point we'll see a rebound in shopping. Uh, people will, you know, shop to celebrate, which, you know, is is a good thing for the economy. Uh, I, I think for sure. Yeah, I, I think at some point, I hope that sooner than later. Yeah. And I was listening to an interview with the African CDC and there was a very well-spoken spokesperson for the organization talking about the initial cases that were gravely starting to pop up in their continent. Um, but what really stuck out to me was how he described the life cycle of this pandemic and how they kind of mentioned that this seems to be like the sun rising for them in this life cycle and the sun was setting for the uh, people in China. And they also talked about how it seems to be like more midday for the people in Italy. But for us being, I guess, in the mid-morning phase, um, who stands to benefit the most from this, from the retailer perspective, Craig? Well, short term, it's going to be retailers like, say, Costco, um, Loblaws, you know, across their channels, especially, you know, the large uh, format stores like Superstore, um, you know, uh, Walmart, uh, you know, certainly uh, I was in a Walmart yesterday and 
Uh, you know, there are all kinds of areas that were cleared out. I mean, I, I think, you know, Costco actually saw a uh, boost in its uh, revenue. You know, they reported that there were some really great gains there. But, you know, again, this is something that's quite short term. I mean, if people are hoarding things and say that somehow this gets resolved in two weeks, well, people aren't going to have to go to Costco and buy a whole bunch of stuff uh, that they already purchased and may have hoarded in their homes. So, uh, that, you know, could actually <laughs> result in a bit of a decrease, but certainly in the short term, you know, we're seeing these large retailers, uh, really seeing, you know, high sales in certain categories. Uh, however, um, you know, one thing I just noticed, I walked by a little corner store and they actually had some rolls of toilet paper. It was a little local retailer and, uh, you know, some, you know, smaller retailers still have stuff. I mean, most people do, especially in the suburb shop, you know, in these big box stores and, you know, popular retailers, bigger chains that offer value prices, but there are certainly independent retailers. In some cases, the prices might be a little bit higher, but you're actually able to find some of that stuff you want. So, I mean, maybe that's a bit of a secret that people don't realize. Walk down your, you know, if you live in a neighborhood that has a high street or, you know, a street with shops, uh, some of these stores uh, may actually have some of the stuff that have, uh, you know, run out in, uh, in some of the larger retailers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I find that with uh, a lot of these shelves being bare at these big bulk stores, like big box stores, people are going to be forced to go and find other alternatives to like locate the items that they're wanting, like toilet paper. Sure. Don't know why, but okay. But um, like, what are you thinking is going to happen with retail um, from the consumer perspective post COVID-19 as a result of this finding finding a way to make it work? Well, I think we're going to see a huge boost in online shopping. I mean, you know, e-commerce has already been growing quickly in Canada. Um, I think that, you know, far more people will be, uh, shopping online, certainly in the short term. Um, I know someone that actually does uh, work with one of the companies which delivers groceries and said that, you know, they've never seen orders as much as they're getting right now. I mean, people are ordering groceries and other items uh, online and are, are wanting them delivered. Uh, one thing that I thought was interesting is that uh, a lot of the stuff that people were ordering were actually out of stock. So unfortunately, oh. this person who was delivering the stuff would come to the homes and say, well, some of your stuff was in the store, but a lot of it wasn't, uh, you know, which creates yeah. uh, disappointment. But, oh, um, you know, I, I think that e-commerce is really going to be growing. Um, one thing that uh, uh, I'm figuring longer term, say with grocery, if people are starting to order groceries online, mm. I know people like myself, for example, have been hesitant to try out e-commerce. I I mean, we've just gone to our local physical grocery store and have shopped. So if we start seeing, uh, you know, online becoming a channel that people are utilizing more, that can form habits. And uh, what that could actually do in the long term is uh, affect physical retail back when things get back to normal. Because if people start seeing the convenience of being able to shop online and if they're happy with that experience and get what they want, uh, they may continue doing it afterwards. Uh, you know, and, and again, I think, you know, there was a very small percentage of people that were buying groceries online before. If that increases, people get used to it and like it. We're going to see a lot more of that. And that habit probably will continue after, uh, you know, the world, uh, you know, gets back to normal whenever that is. And a quick word from our sponsor, Oberfeld Snowcap, for this week's podcast. They were founded 40 years ago and is a full-service real estate and retail advisory firm that focuses on retail tenant representation, strategic planning, property, and project leasing, as well as real estate investment sales. Thank you, Oberfeld Snowcap, for this week's support, and we'll look forward to working with you more. And it's interesting how you talk about how habits can be formed during this crisis, and then they just continue on after the pandemic phase. For myself, pre 
COVID-19, I subscribe to the Fresh Prep food delivery service that they bring all the food to your door and it has a recipe card and then you just cook it. And no, I'm not getting any kind of promotion or um, kickback from them as far as mentioning them during a podcast. But it's something that as a result of the convenience and not having to think about it, and then I have you know nutritious, well-rounded variety in my diet, I've chosen to go that way. And as a result, I don't necessarily go to the food and beverage industry very much as, because I like cooking and, and I feel good and validated that I'm actually doing something good for myself. So you know, I can see how a lot of people who are suddenly going to be pushed into looking for alternatives where they might have been eh, about like not necessarily trying it or let's say going through with it, forced to do it if they suddenly are in isolation or just wanting to avoid social uh, contact and social distancing as a result, they may as a result make a learned conscious decision against things like going to the food and beverage industry. Do you think that's going to be impacting the Canadian economy for post-COVID-19 for these learned behaviors for the hospitality industry and food and beverage? They could. I mean, we're social beings. And I mean, I would expect that, you know, again, when things get back to normal, whenever that is, uh, (laughs) I keep saying sooner than later, uh, you know, we'll still go out to restaurants to, you know, celebrate or to socialize or, you know, whatever people will will go out to a restaurant for. But if there is, you know, still a concern, uh, you know, in the future about, uh, you know, this illness or or other ones, yeah, I mean, people may not go out as much. I think after September 11th, we certainly saw people, uh, I don't know if the term was cocooning, but there was, you know, a bit of a movement to not go out as much. And we, we may see that, uh, uh, in Canada, unfortunately, after this all resolves, and um, you know, maybe a campaign to get people out <laughs> or something would uh, would be able to help the situation. But you know, there could be some long term implications to uh, COVID nineteen, which would be negative, you know, to various uh, you know sectors of the industry. You know, certainly with food and beverage, uh, you know, as well as retail, uh, you know, other hospitality, and and I guess movie theaters as well. That's that's a concern. And we're just kind of jumping all over the place on the different retail segments that. May- may be impacted with COVID-19, but just like bringing it to a little bit more of a structured discussion here, what do you think is going to be the hardest hit Canadian retail segments? Because there's a variety of them. There's luxury retail, there's food and beverage, there's all kinds of different ones. But what do you think is going to be hit the hardest from your retail crystal ball? Um, You know, I I mean, I I think grocery probably the least, uh, just to kind of get that out of the way. I think that hospitality, you know, restaurants, I think that they're going to be hit quite hard. I think luxury retail uh, could be, uh, you know, you know, luxury goods for the most part are, uh, they're more of a want than they are a need. And it it really remains to be seen what, you know, the consumer is going to value uh, and, and look at. In the past, when we've seen, you know, similar or, you know, part, you know, part times in our history where there have been some challenges, like say either a war or a recession, uh, you know, consumers have sort of pulled back, say, on luxury shopping, uh, or they've, you know, been more apt to, you know, stealth wealth, which means that they're doing, uh, or they're buying things that are a little bit less showy and flashy. And you know, lately, if you walk into some of the luxury stores, say Versace, uh, you know, some of the stuff can be quite flashy. And I, I wonder if we're going to actually see that uh, change a little bit, where people will be, you know, a little bit more modest in how they're dressing and may not be mm-hmm. quite as showy with designer labels and whatnot. And, and I do think that the wealthy would still shop. Uh, um, but, I, you know, one of the, the one of the challenges is, you know, some luxury brands actually don't sell that much online. And, you know, on one hand, say with Hermes, they do have a website, 
which, uh, you know, oh, people will be yeah. able to shop from if they are, you know, so inclined to purchase from Hermes right now. Um, brands like Chanel, uh, I don't believe have e-commerce and that, uh, really, you know, if Chanel has to close all of its stores around the world for COVID-19, I mean, they'll make close to zero sales yeah. except for fragrances and whatnot that you can buy online. But, you know, for the fashion, uh, you know, they've been really, really careful with uh, their distribution and then they haven't really wanted it to be online. And that, uh, you know, th that really exposes a brand like Chanel. Well, the thing is like what I'm seeing, um, of course, the Dow Jones dropping 2,000 points is like, you, those are the high net worth customers that are going to be probably impacted by that. So of course, with the stock market going down, like a luxury purchases and stuff, they may be like, mm, let's just wait a bit. But when you take a look at what was going on in China, they are going into like over a month of being in quarantine. So yes, this is the acute phase that we're in right now. We're all panicking and panic buying. But um, when you take a look at the China market where they literally are sitting there doing like they're they're stuck inside and they're doing nothing. So um, when you're sitting there doing nothing and you're bored, what are you going to do? Watch Netflix or that gets old. So then you probably start shopping. So when you take a look at these online marketplaces like eBay and Amazon and stuff like that, if you're stuck inside, like what's happened over in China, if that plays out here, then, you know, the people who have the online presences and, you know, they're, you know, seeing the end, light at the end of the tunnel and stuff and they're bored because they're stuck mm -hmm. in quarantine, then they may be buying that Hermes or something. But I, like you said, then Chanel's going to be missing out as well as, you know, the Ebays and, and, um, and so on are going to be doing um, a really great job, especially if they can look, browse, purchase, and then build that new norm going forward once they get out and, and return to normal life post-quarantine. And that's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, you know, consumers will get bored and they may shop online. I mean, if they've got the money to do it at this point, right? Uh, you mentioned the stock market. I know that, you know, my net worth has absolutely collapsed because I had invested in some stocks that have tanked. And again, this is only temporary. I'm not going to be selling them off and, you know, doing a panic sell like so many people seem to be doing. But uh, you know, the reality is, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, for a lot of people, their wealth, uh, you know, has, if it's been in, in any way connected to the market, yeah. it, it's been impacted. But, you know, people will still, you know, shop online. And if they get bored, they may order stuff. And, you know, as long as the postal system and delivery is still available. Yeah, no, I, I mean, we, we may continue to see that but uh, you know for like you said the retailers that don't have an online presence and i'm thinking in canada um nor you know nordstrom for example they are going to be launching a uh you know e-commerce site in canada um but they don't have it yet so they are at risk however also um you know at the time of this podcast being recorded i just got an email saying nordstrom's closing all of its stores so uh temporarily i should say oh, to wow. be <laughs> Yeah. Clear. So, um, what that means is, you know, well, there'll be no sales, uh, well, in Canada, I suppose, because, you know, if they don't have an, an e commerce website here uh, that people can shop on, and if they're closing their physical stores, I mean, in, in theory, their sales in Canada will be almost zero unless people are ordering from the US yeah. site or going over the border. I mean, I, I guess Canadians can still travel to the United States and vice versa. I mean, it's interesting that we closed our borders to, you know, uh, you know, non-Canadians and non, you know, permanent residents, uh, but we have left it open with the United States. I'm sure that's political and not uh, safety-wise, because if anything, I don't think that the United States had really taken 
uh, this virus seriously until very recently, uh, as in Friday. Yeah. And again, we're not um, political scientists. We're not economists. So um, my own personal opinion around that whole thing is that our food supply is kind of linked to the United States. If we want our bananas, it has to go through the United States, as well as a variety of other foods and goods, goods beyond food even. So uh, like, um, we'll leave other podcasts to go through and pull that one apart as far as the, the economics behind it. Um, but at the end of the day, we did have an article earlier in the year where we spoke about a variety of different retailers that were closing after the Christmas season. Um, and then we're struggling and even more bad news is coming out of the February timeframe. And so at this point, a pandemic is probably going to be the final straw for a lot of retailers in Canada that were like just barely made it through that season. So is there any at risk um, uh, retailers that you would see that may be like, you know, deer in the headlights um, going into this COVID-19 that um, you may see the the writing on the wall for. I think it was in January we did that. Uh, we wrote that article about uh, you know it was hundreds. It's over a thousand actually. You know store locations that were closing in Canada. Unfortunately, after the busy December um, you know holiday shopping season, we saw quite a few retailers reevaluate their operations and uh, in some cases close some locations selectively or you know unfortunately filed and and shut down altogether. And you know say the department store retailers uh, longer term here. I mean the Hudson Bay Company has just uh, you know gone private. Uh, Reigns to be seen what's going to be happening with the company. Uh, you know I think that they will continue to operate as a retailer, but certainly they're going to look at where the value is in that company. And, uh, you know, that certainly would include the real estate. So, um, you know, I would hope that a company like, say, the Hudson Bay Company would be able to pull through this long term. Uh, you know, they've certainly got the financial backing there, but you never know. I mean, with that privatization is going to, I think, come a lot of changes. I think that there's going to be a lot of stores uh, to close. I think that was planned before all of this happened. Uh, and again, I think that's just because, uh, you know, there's just 89 stores for that, that type of retailer are just too many. Uh, I also know that I think, you know, so, well, I won't say too much, but I know some vendors have uh, contacted me and said that they've been dropped, uh, uh, but not that their brand has been necessarily dropped, that orders have been uh, halted. And that was even before this all took place. So I think that there's some big changes uh, and things that are going to be happening with that one company. And uh, just generally, you know, retailers that uh, were struggling before, this is not what they needed at this time. I mean, 2020 has really been a challenging year so far. I yeah. was very optimistic yeah. in January and uh, this has just not been a great year. Yeah. And it's, this is a very sad podcast and scary times for everyone in Canada, much less the retail environment. So we just wanted to have a timely podcast that went out related to COVID-19. But that's pretty much all the information we have at this point. So that's pretty much a wrap. So thanks everyone for being able to listen. Hopefully we're able to provide some insights and information for you. But we do want to remind folks that we have an email newsletter that goes out every morning that has a link to our Canadian news from around the web that will include information around the retail perspective, any kind of COVID-19 retail news that is coming out. So if you want to get that into your inbox every morning, go to retail-insider.com and you can find the subscribe area towards the bottom. So if you thank you again for listening to this podcast, please listen more and, uh, and subscribe to be notified when we have our next uh, podcast release. So thanks again, everyone, and talk to you again later in the week or next week. Thank you so much, everyone. Stay safe.